is the first episode of Establishing Shot, which is a new podcast uh, we're trying to launch here at the DeBartolo Performing Arts Center. Actually, we're not trying to. We're launching it. It's, it's, we're launched. We've actually kind of put it in motion. We're here in the Browning Cinema, um, the historic Browning Cinema, all of 11 years old. Um, and we're here with uh, Rose Anderson. Hi, Rose. Hi. Rose, you're a student here at Notre Dame, right? Yes, I am. And what are you majoring in? I am double majoring in history and FTT theater. FTT theater. So you're doing the theater side of the film, television, and theater major? Yes. And what do you like to do through theater? My main interests are in stage managing. I've okay. served as assistant stage manager for four shows for the FTT department, and I'm currently stage managing Pride and Prejudice. Awesome, because that's very relevant to what we're going to be talking <laughs> about today. We're going to be talking about Jane Austen for our first podcast. Um, Rose knows a lot more about Jane Austen than I do, so I'm really <laughs> glad she's here to help help me get sorted. Um, but we've got a few things going on on campus related to Jane Austen. Over the next uh, few weeks, uh, we're going to be having a Jane Austen Film Festival over Valentine's Day weekend. We'll be showing six films uh, over two days, so we're excited to uh, bring all of those together. And then Rose, as she mentioned, is, in, is the stage manager for Pride and Prejudice, right? Yes. And that's coming up. When is that happening? April 13 through 17. Okay. And that's a student production, so it'll be a student cast that's performing. Uh, you're not performing in it. You are oh, stage managing. No, no but you're, you're going to make sure that it has the right look and the right, and everything's kind of running smoothly. Oh, um, yes. That's great. So, so this is, so to work on this production is, it sounds like it's, uh, from, what, from talking to you uh, prior to the podcast, um, it sounds like this is something you've been really excited about because you're a big fan of Jane Austen. Yes, would definitely. You, are you a Janeite? <laughs> I guess I would call myself that. I don't think I'm a particularly good one. I'm only familiar with um, Sense and Sensibility, Pride and Prejudice, and Emma, which is only half of her works, yeah. which is, I'm still depressed about that, but hey, school is demanding. You're a young person. You've got a <laughs> long way to go, so you can figure all this out. So um, when did you uh, when did you first discover Jane Austen? Hmm. Jane Austen is sort of someone you just know exists before you do anything about it. I read Pride and Prejudice sometime in middle school. I was on a big classic novels kick. Okay. I wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much as I did, but mm -hmm. once I started reading, I just couldn't put it down. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was a while until I picked it back up again. We had to read Pride and Prejudice in my senior English class in high school, and I had forgotten how much I loved it by then. So that's when I started watching all of the movies, the TV miniseries. And it's only recently that I started getting into some of her other works, like Sense and Sensibility and Emma. Okay. Yeah. So you were, were, you, were you open to the, you know, some people are such purists where they only read the book before they would see any kind of adaptation. Have you, have you taken the easy road in, as I would do, where <laughs> you would watch the films first? And then maybe see, and then maybe read the novels. I think it's easier to read the novels first because yeah. you have so many characters and so many ridiculous plot twists. If you don't go into those movies knowing what to expect, then mm -hmm. you're not going to get very far. Okay. So, what's? Do you remember what the first movie or TV series you watched was? That was the '95 version of Pride and Prejudice. Of course, of course, of course. <laughs> which we're not showing because it's too long. But, um, but it's kind of the definitive thing when of it comes course. to Jane Austen, it's, right? In terms of movies oh, and TV. It's perfect. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what is so 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 what so this is the TV miniseries that was produced for the BBC in 1995. It stars 
oh, what's her name? Jennifer L. Jennifer L., thank you. And, of course, who? <laughs> Colin Firth. Colin Firth. Oh, boy. <laughs> So what's the uh, so is so what's the thing about this series? Why is this why is this such a phenomenon? Because it seems like you know we're going to be showing some really wonderful films as part of our series, but it seems like this mini series is just kind of in a class by itself. At least when it comes to the to the true Jane Austen fan, what's the <laughs> what's the what's the thing that kind of draws people to this? The most obvious answer is that it's so close to the book. It takes so many passages straight from the book, which you should and do expect because that book is beautiful. And it's easy to say that's because it's six hours long. So, of course, it can do a better job than a two hour Hollywood film. Mm -hmm. But it also stays so much more true to the spirit of the book. When you get, say, the 2005 version with Kira Knightley, which is showing here, mm -hmm. it it feels so much more dark and gritty and I guess it's an attempt at realism but that's really not what Jane Austen feels like mm -hmm. it's more funny it's a novel of manners it's satire it's love and humor and everything goes wrong but everything ends up right and it's a wonderful adventure to go on with her why do you think they even they even tried to do the film version because it seems like it that the that the miniseries looms so large in the culture you know that they would even why would you know what would even be gained or what you know was it just to try to give it a different take <laughs> do you think was it just because Kira Knightley's kind of was the it thing circa 2005 oh, and goodness. that was a way to kind of give her a chance to, to shine. I mean, I don't. I don't really have a good answer for this. I'm just I'm curious if you have any thoughts about you know what people. What do you think they were trying to get out of this film? Well, it was ten years later. That's quite a space of time to think about new things. And I think maybe the time was right for a new kind of version of the old classic. Like in the '90s, you got all of these spinoffs of Jane Austen novels after right. the success of Pride and Prejudice, and you got the same sort of thing in 2005 after Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley, and. I, the movie wasn't bad as a movie, just as an adaptation. All of my complaints lie in there. Mm -hmm. But it does reach out to a good group of people. That kind of period drama is pretty entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think it's and, and I think um, when you talk about the films from the '90s, uh, you know, as a, as a point of comparison, I mean, if you think about if you well go if you take the 2005 version and you just say, you know, it's an attempt, it's an attempted adaptation um, that you know, if you take it on its own merits, it, it works, it works perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's because there's so much attachment to the novel and to the BBC miniseries that it's hard to kind of think about it in different terms. Yes. Um, whereas the films in the nineties, the films in the nineties, it was just, it was interesting. I mean, you're, probably too young to remember when all of these <laughs> films came out. I am not. Um, but it seemed like that they came out of a period where there was this kind of interest. It, it comes out of, you know, where you see in the 70s and 80s, this interest in uh, British film and television that has a kind of prestige to it. And I would say that that's kind of captured most um, consistently by the work of Merchant Ivory, the Merchant Ivory films of the 80s, which kind of were the precursor, I would say, to the Jane Austen films of the 90s. And that's where Emma Thompson, right, becomes a star, through, you know, when she has her uh, starring role in Howard's End, um, and then goes on to write the screenplay and star in Sense and Sensibility. Uh, but it seems like those come as more of an extension of that, but, but there's such a a burst of those films in the middle of the 90s uh, where you have not only the sort of traditional adaptations, but you have things like Clueless, <laughs> which we're going to be showing as oh, part of, of the series, uh, which is actually one of my favorite adaptations, <laughs> but uh, because I think it kind of takes a really clever turn with it. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, you know, what is, you know, what kind of drives, you know, these different phases? Is it in, in does, you know, you have the, clearly in the 90s, you have so many films that are being produced that that seems to mark a particular moment. Does, is there, is there a new thing happening by the time you get around to 2005 when you have Pride and Prejudice, you know, becoming a film? Does that, does that mark a new kind of era in Jainite history? <laughs> it certainly that, feels like a new era or a new approach. I'm always struck by how, the 2000 versions always seem very similar. Even though you have the films, you have the BBC miniseries that usually you wouldn't expect to be so close. But you get the sort of feeling that they're trying to have that... They're trying to be down-to-earth while mm-hmm. still retaining the sort of higher-level quality that you could expect from a miniseries. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how successful that is. Mm-hmm. Is yep. always the problem. Well, and it's the it's the space. It's the you know where do you get the the depth to explore mm-hmm. something? And this is something that I think a lot of creative people, at least in you know from the media side, are experience right now, experiencing right now, where they're finding. It used to be that you know you wanted to make films rather than television because it had more prestige to it. But now people see the value of either you know a full on TV series or even just a limited TV series as a way to kind of really go in much greater depth and still maintain the level of quality that people expect from a from a feature film. So um, so I think we're seeing kind of a turn that way. Um, but the other thing that seems to be happening in the 2000s, uh, you know, going back, going back over the last 10 years, is this um, development of kind of uh, fandom in a, in a new, in, in, in all these new avenues, right? So you have, um, I mean, you were talking to a little bit to me about fan fiction. Are you a big, <laughs> yes. are, you, are you a fan of the, of the, are you a fan of the fans, a fan of the fan fiction? Sometimes. It depends on what level they take it to. Okay. There are some really good Jane Austen-inspired novels and fan fictions out there. You yep. get some of the really high-class ones, like Death Comes to Pemberley. That's mm-hmm. really interesting. There's the Lizzie Bennet Diaries, which are an amazing modern adaptation. You mm-hmm. also get the smutty ones that are just about Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy and, uh too much, too much. <laughs> Talk to me about the Lizzie Bennet Diaries. And I, I know that this is a YouTube series. It is. It is 100 episodes about three to five minutes each, absolutely worth the time. It's an updated telling of Pride and Prejudice through the eyes of Lizzie Bennett, who is a graduate student in mass communications who's creating a vlog for her senior thesis project. And let's see, her sisters Jane and Lydia have all sorts of adventures. They meet new men. They fall in love with men. They fall in love with men they shouldn't. They have all of these adventures. Let's see. Mr. Darcy, oh my goodness, he pops into the scene. <laughs> he is, his wealthy aunt, Miss Catherine de Berg, owns this really big digital media company called Pemberley something. I forget the name exactly. Mm-hmm. Lizzie Bennett goes around shadowing at all of these different companies and keeps running into Mr. Ben- Mr. Darcy, who of course she hates. It all ends up exactly like it does in Pride and Prejudice, which is the beautiful thing because it works so well in the modern day. Yeah. It's, oh my god. So gosh. this is, but again, going back to the format of it oh all, so it, you said they're three-minute episodes. Three to five, yes. Three to five-minute episodes, <laughs> and there's a hundred of them? Yep. Wow. So, um, <laughs> and it's, um, is it all kind of, you said it, it's in a vlog format, so is she just kind of, you know, speaking to the camera, or how does it, how is it structured? I've only, I've seen one of them. I have, I, I guess I, I need to oh go further. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yes. Um, yes, it's mainly her speaking to the camera. Mm-hmm. She has some visitors, like her friend Charlotte Lucas, who's helping her of course. make them, like her sisters, like 
when the men drop in, it's always unexpected. It's always fascinating. Right. Because you've been anticipating it for so many episodes and so long. Right. So, and then this is, and this also becomes, you know, this is, I think, you know, when we talk about the sort of legitimizing of, you know, television versus film, now you have this whole other outlet where people are experiencing <laughs> this that never exists. I mean, you know, YouTube didn't exist. YouTube only started up in 2005, right? The same year that Pride and Prejudice, the film version is, is getting released. So now you have this whole other way of experiencing it. And, and what does that, what does that do for it? I mean, is it, is it about the, um, you know, kind of the way in which that format kind of connects to kind of the average person watching it, do you think? Or is it about the, you know, is it the intimacy? Um, how does that, I mean, how does it work differently than, say, like a, a film version which tries to be, a film or TV version which tries to be kind of faithful to the original? Or It works so well on so many levels because mm-hmm. it does still have that faithfulness to the original, but in a way that's so immediate and so relevant to the audience's lives. Um it's so entertaining if you've read the book before you watch the Lizzie Bennet diaries because everything, there are all of these subtle clues and hints into the book itself. Yeah. All of these subtle parallels, really entertaining. That's great. That's great. Well, that's a it's cl- totally clever avenue that you can't, <laughs> I mean, could Jane Austen have ever even imagined that oh, she would goodness. suddenly be the, the star of a, a YouTube series? Um, Let's talk about some of the other, you know, some of the other uh, fan fiction stuff. So, of course, <laughs> right now, as we're as we're recording this, you have just seen the latest uh, interpretation, which is the <laughs> film version of the book *Pride and Prejudice and Zombies*. Oh yes, yes. So, I assume you've read the book. I haven't read the book. Oh no. Okay. Okay. I heard it wasn't that great, <laughs> okay. so I don't feel that bad. Okay, but you have seen the film. Yes. Yeah. So. Oh so, my gosh. So tell me about it. It's so good because it's so funny and it takes the spirit of Pride and Prejudice and puts in zombies and somehow it completely works. It seems so believable because of the way it rolls with the characters that we already have. Mm-hmm. Like we know Elizabeth Bennet is this very strong independent woman who's not going to settle for anything less than she deserves and it makes perfect sense that she's going to be killing all these zombies who are trying to hurt her family. Mm-hmm. And that's and, and it doesn't seem to, you know, <laughs> compromise it in any way. I mean, even though it's, you know, you're adding this element, you know, if you take, you know, you just take something like Bridget Jones, which isn't really an oh. adaptation. It's more of, oh, <laughs> you're not a fan. <laughs> no. Apparently Rose is not a fan of Bridget Jones' diary. Just, anyway. Just so our, our listeners know this. <laughs> Um, but or, or Clueless, which is an actual adaptation. That one's good. Yes. Okay. So because Clueless actually follows the structure of yes. you know of, of of Emma, so we have something that's that's more of a direct. But that's but people, in fact, rather you know when that came out, you know, twenty years ago, people were you know you would assume people might be you know sort of shocked or offended by something that tries to modernize in such a way. But in fact, it was you know really well received by mm-hmm. so many different people, and in fact opened up. Uh, Jane Austen to a lot of different readers and viewers who maybe wouldn't have experienced her otherwise. Um, so in this case, we're we're t- we're throwing in this zombie thing that, in, you know, from your your read on the film, it sounds like it works incredibly well. Oh my goodness, yes. Yeah, that's great. That's great. So <laughs> and and it's in and apparently there are other iterations of this through Jane Austen. There's a. Uh, isn't there? There's something to do with sense and sensibility oh, and, and sea monsters. And sea monsters. So none of them have gained quite the popularity of Pride and Prejudice and zombies. Sure, sure. But you know the but the fact that these things are out there kind of 
pushing it further. Cool. So what are so, so are there other things out there that we're missing out on that we don't know about in this kind of, you know, kind of ever growing world of of Jane Austen kind of fan culture that we should be that we should be looking out for? We've got, you know, you've got the films, you've got the TV series, you've got the the YouTube series. Um, there's a lot of there seems to be a lot of stuff out there. <laughs> there uh, is a lot of stuff, yes. Um there's just so much out there. It's hard to be sure to hit all of it, but mm-hmm. you have the books and the films. There are also some great films that aren't direct adaptations of the novels themselves, yeah. but are still a great addition to everything Jane Austen. Like Becoming Jane is a good example. That's a okay. really great. It's a good movie. Yeah. Um, it's good. Yeah, to take those kinds of inspirations. But then there are things like action figures. Is that <laughs> Now, do you yes. own any action figures? I do not. I oh, okay. do not. That's Stacey Stewart. We know what to get you. That's right, <laughs> Stacey Stewart, who is who is our in-house uh, DeBartolo Performing Arts Center resident uh, Jane Austen fanatic. Uh, unfortunately, could not be with us today. Um, but uh, action figures. Uh, Stacey has some wonderful purses that are shaped like the books. I have one of books. those. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> so they ha- they're actually shaped like the covers of various uh, uh, books. There's the pen. I remember the Penguin Books version of Pride and Prejudice she has. There's also good. scrapbook paper, so you can make an entire Pride and Prejudice-themed scrapbook. Fantastic. I might own that, Fantastic. but anyway. All right. Well, I wish you all the, all the best for uh, the production that's coming up in April, and, uh, and I hope you can come out and see some of the movies this weekend. I think it's going to be a fun time, and we hope to see you then. Okay. All right. Well, Rose, thanks for thanks for making yourself available for us. Um, we, we're uh, we've officially finished our first uh, establishing shot podcast. Uh, is that what we're calling? That's our that's our title, establishing shot. So uh, we're going to be uh, hopefully doing more of these over the next uh, couple of months, and we hope you uh, enjoy listening in and finding out about uh, things happening here at the Bartolo Performing Arts Center, and then and, and whatever beyond might happen to feed into that. So thanks for listening. Thank you.